and welcome to Upleveling Work, a podcast about the strategies and solutions that real people are using for improving their work life so they can make a bigger impact and find more connection and fulfillment along the way. I'm your host, Michelle K. Anderson, and I'm an executive coach and the creator of the Conscious Leadership Framework. I'm on a mission to increase the diversity of leadership at organizations. And the work that I do as a coach is all about empowering women and other marginalized people to become leaders who gracefully navigate complex work environments with confidence. Join me here each week to learn how to create high-performing teams without working more or burning out. This is episode four, why I use the Enneagram personality system. This episode is a little bit different than most of my episodes in that it's completely unscripted. I had a conversation with a friend that made me think about you and that a lot of the things that we were talking about, you might also be interested in. So I woke up the next morning with some thoughts on my heart and just hit record in a voice memo on my phone. And what we ended up with here is something a little bit more raw and intimate. You're gonna learn a lot about me and my personality style and some of the work that I'm doing personally using the Enneagram personality system. And you even get to hear me coach myself towards the end of the episode. Enjoy. I wanted to make a recording on why I use the Enneagram at all. and share a little bit about my personal experience with the Enneagram system, how I came to find it. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to make this recording is because frankly, I feel a bit conflicted about using personality systems at work. Historically, personality tests have been used to perpetuate stereotypes and even to discriminate in the hiring process itself screening for certain traits that may indicate mental illness or lower socioeconomic status or even ethnicity that can be implied by some of the questions and the way they're framed in personality tests. And I just want no part of that. I do find, however, that the Enneagram personality system has been very different to work with, and I will only use it professionally on a team that is committed to doing the self-awareness work, and understands the ethical implications of gathering this data and starting to use it within the workplace. I don't mean to freak you out or scare you away from doing this, not at all, because when I found the Enneagram system, I feel like my life forever changed, right? It, It felt like this huge light bulb moment for me, and I literally think about my life before I found the Enneagram system and started using it to understand myself and the people around me and after. And that's not hyperbole. There's only a couple of other events in my life that I mark like before that point and after that point. And the Enneagram is definitely one of them. And that is because it really was a first major step that I took to get out of a victim mentality and giving away my authority. So it really was like me stepping into self-sufficiency as a person, my own empowerment, especially as a female, growing up in an evangelical environment where I absorbed a lot of messages around the role of women and what my potentiality would be and what was wrong about me or sinful about me as a person. See, growing up, I had always been 
appreciated for my attention to detail and that I was a strong leader and a workhorse. And that was continually validated at home, at work, and even in my first few jobs, rewarded with promotions or extra pay. But really that was about extra work because as an Enneagram one, I know how to make things happen. I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves and dig in and get into the dirty work. I will work long and hard. I am looking for that gold star because of my strong two wing and wanting to be helpful and just a general people pleasing vibe <laughs> that I thought was really fulfilling. But once I understood about my personality type, I could see that that was a form of me, in Brene Brown's words, hustling for worthiness and being stuck in a constricted ego structure that was trying to keep me safe. In my head, the story I was telling myself is that this is what's needed to get ahead or this is what's valued or the world needs me, they need me, you know, whatever or the potentiality of what could be and just put, if I just put my head down and work hard enough, I'll be able to get there. Now, Enneagram ones are not the only that feel this way at all. And that's part of the nuance of the Enneagram system, right? Other personality typing structures will categorize people based on behaviors often, or maybe feeling states. But the truth is that why we think a certain way, why we behave a certain way, why we feel like what we feel can be the same but the reasons why can be very different and the enneagram personality types are based off of the motivation the underlying motivation of why you do the things you do it's deeply rooted in psychological theories about humanness personality development adult development why we are the way we are and what forces of nature and nurture work together to form your sense of identity your worldview the things that you are drawn to naturally, the things that you avoid, all of these are determined in part by your early formative experiences and something inside of you that is this natural orientation to the world. So that's what an Enneagram type is to me. An Enneagram type is a style of protection. There are nine flavors of the, that type of protection, the way we armor up when things don't feel safe. And it's based off of the messages you received and how you see the world and the information you take in, what you pay attention to. All of those things work together to reinforce a belief about how things are and what you need to do to protect yourself. And once you can see that ego armor, you start to have a whole bunch of choices about, is this serving me? Am I safe here? Can I try something else? Because the truth is at some point in your life, your usual way of doing things stops working for you. Typically that happens in midlife. And so when I started working with the Enneagram <laughs> so many years ago, like let's think probably, oh my gosh, I feel old. <laughs> when I started working with the Enneagram, it was like 15, 16 years ago. And there weren't a lot of young people doing this work, but the Enneagram found me at a mom's group where I had just, I was in the throes of postpartum depression and I had a kid with colic, an infant who, let's be real, had colic for like almost the first two years of her life. <laughs> and I was struggling with postpartum depression and just knew that I needed connection. And the thought of having someone take care of my baby for a couple of hours so that I could have a cup of coffee and talk to another mom was like, I don't know, comfort, home, 
felt like rain rainbows and butterflies, honestly. But at one of these talks, my mentor, my now mentor, um, introduced us to the idea that there were nine different ways of being in the world. And that once you understand your way of being and how it is different than the other ways of being, especially for people that you are in relationship with, like your spouse or your best friend or your in-laws. I think that was kind of the vibe that we were going off of. Like, how do you improve your relationships using just the simple idea that there are nine different colors of rose-colored glasses? Do you know what I mean? Nine different ways that people orient themselves to time and space and the environment that creates a different set of default ways of thinking, feeling, and behaving. And as soon as I understood this, it literally felt like this woman gave me x-ray vision into people. I could instantly see why certain things were so important to my husband that I felt like he was bringing up continually just to annoy me. Do you know what I mean? Like I could see how these were related to core fears that he had and needs that he was trying to express. Or like with my mother-in-law, I felt like she was constantly criticizing me. But once I understood that she was an Enneagram six, I could see that this was related to her own underlying insecurity about the world and my kids, you know? And once I could see all of that, it like depersonalized conflict. Like I stopped making it mean something about me and almost instantly a level of irritation and frustration and insecurity like melted away. It was magical. I felt immediately this sense of like clarity that turned into levity and lightness pretty quickly. It wasn't instant levity, like I'm not gonna lie to you. There was like me going down the rabbit hole of the Enneagram types and having to learn and work with this information, but also confronting the ways that I contribute to the situation that I was blaming on other people, right? So I think one of the most profound things about this tool is that it helps you not only understand yourself and your patterns and the ways that you might be holding yourself back, it helps you understand your own strengths and like really delineate between what's me and what's them. And that's related to the second thing that I really appreciate about the Enneagram is that it helps you understand other people. By understanding myself and what makes me me and what my potentiality is, what my, the polarities of my particular type, meaning the tensions between opposites or extremes that I'm constantly navigating that I think are binary, but are actually polarities. Once you see them as such you can start to work with and allow them instead of resist them which means that you stop buffering maybe with food maybe with shopping maybe with alcohol or overwork or you know there's all you know exercise for some there's all kinds of ways that we buffer against negative emotion often i would set like a new year's resolution to try and resolve these negative habits but once i could see why i was doing those things what role those behaviors were filling for me, like what I was getting out of it. The Enneagram helped give me a shortcut to understand those things. And so I immediately started projecting it out into the world on other people, typing everyone I knew in my head. But 
it became a very oversimplified way of understanding the world really quickly. And I think that's normal as you try to integrate this information. And it's normal for the stage of adult development that I was in at the time. But this is the place where people start to make assumptions about other people and where it can become a little problematic at work. This is the part that makes me kind of cringe inside because you think you know something about someone. But as you continue to work with the Enneagram, you see there aren't just nine types of people. There are actually 27 subtypes once you layer the nine types with the three instincts and you figure out which of your biological instinct is more dominant than the others. It flavors the way your type shows up in the world. And then you start working with tri-types and you can see that you really are a combination of the dominant style that is in your body or action center, the dominant style that's in your heart or feeling center, and the dominant style that's in your thinking or head center. And so I'm a self-pres one, as it's called in the Enneagram world, which means I'm oriented towards like physical safety, resources, you know, feeling supported and resourced personally more. That's like where my brain goes and pays attention to them first. I'm a one to five tri-type which is called the mentor archetype. And that means that the combination of the one, two, five means that I like to go really deep on topics. That's the way my brain works. And I'm also a really private person. And that's the five part. And then the one part is like highly ethical and idealistic um, and wise, right? There's a certain type of wisdom that comes out of the oneness that's related to what could be and potentiality. And then there's the two part, which is very caring and helpful and supportive and, and even loving, but oriented towards other people. And so the combination of those things, being able to sense the needs of my people and the environment around me with the idealism of the one of what could be, what should be really realistically is a better way to talk about that idealism for one, the injustices of the world and the way things ought to be um, driving my focus of attention combined with a deep wisdom and knowing and thirst for knowledge and understanding and desire to be private. You could see how when I go to start a podcast, for example, <laughs> some of my perfectionism, of course, is inevitably going to come up in part because I'm putting myself out there as an expert, right? On um, In a way, I mean, starting a podcast is definitely putting a stake in the ground and saying, I know something about something. And the five slash one part of me really, really wants to make sure I'm ready and I'm doing no harm and that I'm giving you everything you need. And I really, really want to get it right. And that two part of me wants to be super helpful. So of course I want to make it as actionable as possible or as short as possible. But anyways, you can see how knowing my tri-type, my instinct and all of these different nuanced connections of the nine types normalizes my behavior so that I can be with that feeling instead of trying to resist it, I can allow it and I can channel the energy of the good side of all of the, that combination into trusting that it's enough. It gives me breadcrumbs to embrace who I am, allow negative emotion and get on with my life because I've got big things to do, you know? According to the creator of the idea of a tri-type, the life purpose of the 125 mentor 
um, is that your mission is to use your wisdom to provide the information needed to manifest ideals that could help those in need. A true mentor, this type is happiest when you can help others improve themselves. And I think that's in part because I feel like I've been on a continual self-improvement project for my whole life as a one and the work that I had to do and start to open up to in coaching is letting go of my need to perfect myself, being really gentle, taking action before I feel like I'm ready and focusing on being in service of others and trusting that it's enough right now and that there's always going to be the gap between where I am and where I want to go. But if I look backwards at all of the ways that I've grown, all of the things that I've already gained and acquired the skills in my life, I can give myself credit for those things, give myself the, all the gold stars that I need so that I stop looking for them outside myself and I stop hustling for worthiness and I allow what is here right now to be enough, which brings me into the present, which frankly is all I really have. And this is the big work of the Enneagram, is that homecoming to who you are and this present moment and the wisdom that comes from not having to think about things, but just knowing from a quiet mind space. The wisdom that comes not from um, having to always force things to happen for myself or other people or whatever, and just attuning to that intuitive gut ping, the yes or the no, the leaning in or the leaning out that can be found in the wisdom of the body. And then the opening of my heart, both to what I really need, what's going on for other people, that connection that you could just sense energetically. The combination of those three things is the heart of the work of the Enneagram. And what makes it so powerful is that it is not just categorizing people into nine ways of being in the world, but it is laying a specific pathway out of the box that you've trapped yourself in, out of the limiting beliefs that we all naturally adopt into a world where you trust that you are not broken, that there is probably nothing wrong with you. <laughs> and when we can operate from enoughness, God, that opens up so much possibility, right? Like that is for me, a big piece of the key of stepping out of scarcity mindset and into abundance. And that is what I want for each of you. Till next time. If you are curious about learning more about the Enneagram and the nine different personality styles, I made a little PDF download intro that you can get on my website at michellekanderson.com forward slash free, where I have a download called Learn the Types that you can snag and get started understanding what even these things are, how, how are they related to each other, that download will give you a flavor of the nine styles, what their strengths are, and how they're related to each other. That will serve as a reference for you over time as you dig in. So I find that it's a really good place to start on this journey. And if you're wondering how to find your type, I will record another episode on that. But the fastest way to find your type is to DM me <laughs> and I will get you in touch with the test that I use that is the most accurate test on the market and gives you a full report on 
your styles so that you don't have to learn the whole system to begin to work with it. That's the best part. And it puts it into um, like action, like how it shows up at work, how to communicate better. How do you communicate with a person of this specific type based on your type? So it really helps you understand also the like avenue of growth and development opportunities that you have. So if you're like at a goal setting time of the year, and you want to stop like apologizing for who you are <laughs> or you want to like develop like real useful ideas about how you can grow as a person so that you can be more effective at work or at home or in your relationships this report provides a bunch of clues a ton of ideas and you can pick one to begin to work on you know what i mean it makes it so much easier it's like a shortcut to you personally, all of your particular quirks and the unique strengths of your type so that you can go all in on who you are and trust yourself more. And who doesn't want that? All right, so send me a note if you're interested on the testing side of things, but go download the freebie and check out my blog. I have a ton of information on my blog about Enneagram and how it works. Next time I'll talk more about how I use the Enneagram at work specifically and the benefits that I've already seen working with individuals on the executive coaching side and teams on the organizational coaching side of things. I'm an executive coach who also coaches teams, runs workshops and retreats and helps you get more clear on the things that are holding you back as a collective using the data of the Enneagram and also just best practices from organizational development. So if you're interested in working with me, reach out. I'd love to talk about what's going on for you and figure out if we'd be a good fit. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Upleveling Work. To view the complete show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode, visit uplevelingwork.com. That's where you can search by the episode number in order to find the transcripts and any downloads or resources mentioned in the podcast. That's also where you can find my 10 Mistakes Managers Make ebook, which explains the most common mistakes managers tend to fall into. My intention is to save you the wasted time and energy that these failed solutions cost you. That way you can become a more effective leader while playing to your natural strengths. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right as they're released. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways new podcasts get noticed, and it would really make a difference if you could take a minute to write a review. Thank you for joining me, Michelle K. Anderson, on this episode of Upleveling Work. I'll see you next time.